bring refreshment. So it's also a sign, Lord, of your goodness and of your provision. And I pray, Lord, that this word this morning, Lord, will carry your weight on it, Lord Jesus, that we as believers can start to recognize what is happening in the spirit around us, Lord God, and that we as believers are equipped to counter that because we know we walk with you and you are our God, Lord God, and that nothing that comes against your children will prevail. And I pray, Lord, that this word also will bring honor to your name, will bring glory to your name and your name alone. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, these last few weeks, um, these, the, there was a lot that was happening in and around church, some of our church and the members, myself as well, and, and the Lord spoke to me about, about how, how do we recognize that we have a, sp a sp spiritual attack and then how do we counter it? And the first thing that the Lord brought to my mind is that the biggest tool that the, that, that the enemy uses to attack believers is the, um, the, is deception. The, the, the biggest tool that the enemy used to attack believers is a deception. When we talk about spiritual warfare, we can make it very complicated and tricky to explain and use all these high words and things and make it sound awesome. But in essence, spiritual warfare against the enemy is quite simple. It has to do with your mind. It has to do with, with your mind, do you believe the truth which is from God or do you believe a lie which is from the enemy? Done. Spiritual warfare right there, 101, in short. It's not complicated. It has all to do with our, our, our minds. It's a fight of our minds over do we believe the truth of God or do we believe the lies from the enemy? And I'm going to start today in our scriptures to um, read from John 8, verse 44. I'm not sure if that one is on the screen. John 8, verse 44. And it says the following. You are the Father. Uh, uh, let me start. Before I read it, it's it, Jesus now speaking to the Pharisees and stuff. They, the Wetgeleerdes Naimane. And he says to them, um, you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father, um, and the desires of your fa father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He is a liar and the. The father of it. So the primary tool of the devil is deception. It's lies and deception. That's the primary tool he uses. And then the next scripture in John 8 verse 32, and I think that's on the screen there. John 8 verse 32 that says, 
and you shall know the truth, and what then? The truth shall make you free. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So, in essence, us as believers, when you are a born-again Christian that believe in Jesus Christ, you cannot be bound by demons and evil spirits, but what you can be by what you believe up in your mind. And I'm gonna talk about that a little bit more. So, when a believer knows the truth, it's like, I can't do it here now, but it's like a flashlight that goes on in a dark room. When you believe the truth, the lies will flee because they can't stand in the, the, the presence of truth and the, the, the presence of God's light. So, the truth, the truth of God, like it says in Scripture, it liberates us, it sets us free. Amen? So, but before we go into, into, um, into the, the methods that the enemy uses to, to attack a, a believers, I'm first going to talk about some limitations of the enemy, because this is not all powerful. Um, let's just get that right. So, what we do know about um, the evil side, the enemy, and all those things are that they, they do have some sort of authority. They do have some sort of power. So, and why do I, I say that? Because it says, and I think it's on the screen, it says in Jude 1 verse 9, it says, yet Michael the archangel, archangel, archangel in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him uh, reviling accusation, but said, "The Lord rebuke you." So even in the in the in the heavenlies, even the angels know when to fight, when not to fight, what to do, what not to do. Even they know, and even they know that when this is not my battle, it's the Lord's battle. Make sense? Then we can. Put up a, a, a slide there. The next one. So now it's, I'm gonna, just going to quickly talk over the limitations of of the enemy. Number one is the enemy. It's including the demons and stuff. They can't read your mind when you're a born again believer. They can't read your mind. It says in one Kings. Um, I'm just going to read from my notes. It says in one Kings eight verse. 39, it says the following, then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and give to everyone according to all his ways, whose heart you know, for you alone know the hearts of all the sons of men. Scripture clearly states only God knows everything, only God knows what's in your heart. Only God knows what's in your mind. Nothing and no one else, no evil thing can read your mind. Make sense? Number two, they cannot see the future. They cannot see the future. Isaiah 46 verse 9 to 10 says the following, 
remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Declaring the end from the beginning. So only God is outside of time, can see the beginning, can see the end, can see anything in between. Nothing and no one else, no evil spirit or demon or whatever can see the future. Now, sometimes we go, like way back when we were yay high, I think, can't remember. We went to the, the Ventuk showgrounds and you get all these wimpies and aunties and they do the palm, the reading, and or they open up the newspaper of Jaisenot, Adams Achter, and they look at the stars and it's, hey, that's me, it sounds, sounds true, it sounds good. And sometimes what they say and what you read in those star signs or whatever, it, 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 it becomes true. So now we are deceived by the enemy to think it's got power, to think they can tell the future, but it's not. Remember, they can also talk, like we talk over a braai, they also talk, but probably not over a braai. They also talk and say, hey, did you hear that guy? He talked about something with, he wants to buy a red bucky. So go and tell that guy, red bucky, red bucky, red bucky, and he speaks to the dude or dudette that reads the palms and they say, ooh, someone tells me, or I know, understand, you're gonna buy a red bucky. And now you think, oh my word, she's a prophet from the Lord. But it's, it's not. So they can't, the enemy can't predict the, the future, but they also talk among themselves and they can make an educated case. Amen. But only God knows the beginning from the end, knows the future. Um, so please don't get mixed up with Tierblare and Aichuterkis. It's not. It's not of God. Um, number three is is the demons and all the enemy. They cannot be omnipresent. In Job one verse six, it says the following: verse six seven. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? So he must have come from somewhere. So he wasn't there. From where do you come? So Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on the earth. Walking to and fro, walking back and forth come from somewhere. So when you're omnipresent, it means you're already everywhere. You don't have to walk to and fro because you're there already. Makes sense. So the enemy are not everywhere. They see Om Elke, the bossy, and Willis Khoi, want is it the moon, want also the famous prize for Kopi. Enemy is not everywhere. The enemy, they have to walk to and fro, come back and forth. Only God is omnipresent. Amen. So there's not a, a demon or evil spirit around every bush. 
So, and lastly, and, and then I'm going to get into my message. Um, all good so far? Yeah? Okay. So we know the following, that when you're a born-again believer, you cannot be possessed or controlled by anything evil or demonic. Because why? Holy Spirit is within you. You're now God's child. Amen? Just get that one right. And then born-again believers also cannot be cursed. Because it says in Numbers, um, Numbers 23 verse 8, it says that you cannot curse which God has blessed. So you are blessed because you are a child of God. So no curse can have an effect on you. So sometimes we believe that we, someone can put a curse on us and then we begin to believe that lie. We make it our own and then it happens. But that's a deception from the enemy. Scripture says, the truth says, you cannot curse what God has blessed. Whatever someone speaks over you, the word of God is greater and speaks something greater over you. Amen? Um, but what, what they can do, what the enemy can do is they can influence the atmosphere around you and they can attack you, especially through your thought life. They can plant th thoughts. Um, how can I il um, illustrate that? Jack, can you quickly come forward? You can stand that side. So say for instance, this is my neighbor. He's the good guy, I'm the bad guy. He's, I'm the enemy in this scenario. Not always, no. And this is, this is a fence. This is a fence. So here I am now on this side. And um, I want to plant a thought of negativity, of fear, of whatever in his mind. So all I can do is, on, on this side, look, where's my neighbor? There's a thought. Now he's got to decide what am I going to do with it. Amen. Thank you, Jock. So they can plant a thought in your, in your mind. Now it's up to you. What am I going to do about it? Okay, so how do the enemy, how do demons and the evil spirits, how do they attack believers? Like a World War II bomber sounded like. How do they attack believers? Number one is accusation. Accusation. So if you can turn your Bibles to Revelation 12 verse 10. Revelation 12, verse 10. And it says the following. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of, of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, brethren, who accused them before our, our God day and night has been cast down. So scripture calls the enemy the accuser. 
And he, he, he calls him by that name for a reason. Now you go, I mean, you go out, you've been out in church on a, a, a Sunday, and it's been a good Sunday because you had the word, good word, you had some good the, the, the coffee, and all was lacquer, and you start your week fresh and new when you wake up. And on your way to the, sh the shower already Monday morning, and the enemy comes and he puts something in your mind, some, some thought in your head about something you did five, six years ago. And he wants you, and he, he like, he pours it into you because you can't think of something else. It's all there. And he, he wants you to, 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 to focus on that wrong thing you did way back then, that sin that you did, because he wants you to, 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 to focus on the shame that you felt when you did that, so that you now still feel that shame again. He wants to accuse you over and over again about something that you did in the past. He wants you to, to focus on shame, to identify with your past, but here's the thing that, the, that scriptures wants, wants us to know, what, what the Lord wants us to know. For us as believers, we must recognize that God already paid for those sins. He already set you free from those sins. You can't sit with it anymore because you are free from that. He doesn't accuse you no one else does, only the enemy, because the enemy's got nothing else to do. God set you free from that sin already. That's the truth. He already for, 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 for forgave you for that sin. He dealt with the sin, and he put your past where it belongs. It's in the past. Amen? Now, why does the, the, the devil like to accuse us in the whole time? Because it steals your peace. As simple as that. Because now you sit the whole time thinking about all these things, about what you did, and then you, you, you focus on all the wrongdoing, you feel again the shame, and slowly but slowly through that deception, he pulls you away from God. And now you don't know what is happening with my life. God is angry at me. No, he's not. It's a lie. The enemy accuses you, number one. Number two is temptation. The enemy attacks believers with temptation, through temptation. When we, when we look at in Genesis 3, and the enemy first tempted Eve, and then our friend Adam went all along and he also fell into temptation. Um, and the first temptation that we, what we see in the word was actually the enemy challenging the truth of scriptures. Massive. Okay, let's turn to Genesis 6, uh, 3 verse 6. Genesis 3 verse 6. And it says the following. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and could, fill the, uh, yeah, and could fill the desire of making one wise. 
So she took off its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, and he ate. Talk. So, so, so the enemy is, um, is, is very good at selling us stuff. What we, we do with it, it's our, own, it's our own thing. So it's like, this represents a, a verboden vruchte. This is what this represents. Like, it's nice, it's green, it's tasty, it's juicy. It's, um, it's, 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 there's no tax included. It's, it's imported from the USA, not from other areas. So it's very nice. It's very beautiful. It's okay if you eat of it. You can if you want to, but you don't have to, but it's really, really nice. If I had one, I would eat one myself. In fact, I might get some for my family for Christmas. It's really, really nice. And the enemy are very good at selling us these ideas of what is right and what is wrong, and it begins to, it makes things sort of lukewarm, relative truth, what's true for you, it's not true for me, blah, blah, blah. And it just, we start to accept it. We start to accept that thing because the enemy are such good salespeople. So they, 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 they take that, that sin, that thought life or that thing that you do and they put it in a nice package and it looks beautiful, it looks innocent, so why not take it? So they're very good with that. And, they, and something I've seen as well is when they tempt you, they tempt you at things that interest you. So why would they tempt you with, um, what, what can I use as, a, as an example? Yeah, your soft spots something that interests you. If it doesn't interest you, the enemy won't tempt you there. Make sense? Yeah. It tempts you according to your, your, your weaknesses, and that ultimately destroys the marriages, the, the, the families, the churches. So temptation is also um, a form of, of um, a deception. It says, it says the, the, the following that for me, by accepting this, and sometimes we know we're doing the wrong thing, but we sort of accept it. It means that we give our integrity over to this thing because we feel that this will make us whole and not God. Make sense? Yes, we would not fall into temptation if we did not think it will fulfill us. And it, it works so well with, with the, the previous one, with point number one, is that instance you fall into temptation and the enemy comes and accuses you. So the two works well together. Okay, let me go on. I'm going to be way over time, so I've got to talk faster. It's a, it's a problem for the, all the new people. Like it's a big van a stutter, so I praat langer as normal there. Anyway, all good. I'll, I'll skip a few things that I feel is not important. Okay. Number three is 
a distraction. So number one is accusation, number two is temptation, number three, distraction. Ephesians 6, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's what we fight against, but what the enemy wants us to know as believers is, no, fight amongst each other, um, your, your battles is, is, is earthly things, it's carnal things, it's temporary things. Um, about little things that doesn't really have eternal value. He wants you to, f- to focus on that stuff because then it keeps you from the real stuff, from, from, um, from countering them in, in, in this spirit realm. So the enemy likes to, to um, distract us, distract us. Um, I, I, I've, I've got these, in my own life, I've got these little dips. Um, I, not long ago, when, when, um, when, when I knew in my heart, like, I, I have to spend more time with Jesus, but I got distracted by, oh, there's a nice Netflix series, or these Facebook short st- stories. Oh my word, that kills time. Facebook short stories. And it's stupid after stupid after stupid after stupid. But it, it kept me occupied. It kept me from God. Distractions. Netflix series. Woohoo. Like a, watch out for distractions from, from, from the enemy because why? Like, uh, and these, these things that we do, if it's our job or if it's watching a movie or if it's our sports or hobbies, it's not sinful in nature, but when we give so much attention to it that it keeps us from our time with God, distraction, recognize the attack of the enemy. Okay. Next one. Number four is a depression. Ooh, this is going to be an interesting one. Depression. Mental illnesses. Just a disclaimer. I'm gonna read it here. Mental illnesses can be caused by demonic evil influences, but not all of them are, okay? Not everything are from the enemy. Um, Because why, why do I say that? I had a a friend once, or uncle actually, long, long ago. He was normal, you can put, it normal, what, what is normal? <laughs> I don't know what normal is. Anyway, he was normal, and then he was in a car accident. And he, 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 he got a very, very serious injury to his brain and also the rest of his body. And, and afterwards, after a few months in, in, in hospital, in the ER, or in the, what do you call it, intensive care, the ICU, um, he uh, came out and he was a different man. And he struggled with, with mental illnesses, depression and stuff. That's not the cause. It wasn't caused by the enemy. It was an accident he had. So just, we have to be very careful when we speak about um, these things. Um, 
Now, what the enemy can do is, for us as believers, that they can take advantage of that. And they can see, okay, that guy, that man, that woman, they struggle with something, with depression or whatever. So I'm gonna use that to prolong that symptoms so that they stay down there in that dark place the whole time and not recognize and see God. So again, mental illnesses and stuff, they, it, it can be caused by the enemy. It can be caused by just natural circumstances, things that happen to us. When you have it, when you have depression or, or, or something like that, the enemy can use it against you to keep you there, or it cannot use it. It's like that 50 to 50 thing. The big thing is just for us as believers to be aware um, that the enemy can use it. But a big thing when it comes to depression, sure, I'm gonna use myself again as example. It's okay, I'm healed now, I'm whole. Um, but many years ago, I also fell into heavy depression and it came from I heard something, I took it on, and I believed it. And when I believed it, because I, I went to church, but I didn't know my word. So I believed this, um, that lie which was spoken over me. I, I made it my own, so I began to live what I believed, which made me fall into depression until, until I got set free. So. The, 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 the depression many times comes as a result of deception. For, for instance, let me say one more thing. If you, if you for instance, say, I'm alone. Like we, we see that a lot, we hear that a lot, um, and we, we sometimes see it a lot in a, a, a church that you're surrounded by people, but you feel alone. And now, you feel alone and now and the enemy comes and hands you that thought, but, but you are alone. So I feel alone because I am alone. And because I am alone, now I begin to believe that. So now I begin to act alone. So I'm always there but not any hookies. So I begin to believe that and then I fall into depression. Why? Scripture says that man who isolates himself, the man who believes a lie, destroys himself. So then you fall into depression. Make sense? So sometimes we need to be sure that when we, when we walk with, especially believers that, that has some sort of a, a mental um, illness, if, for lack of a better word, they don't need exorcisms. <laughs> no, they don't need that. They just need the truth, which is the Bible, because the Lord's word, the truth, will set you free. Amen. Number five, anxiety. Anxiety. Let's turn to 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7. Anxiety. We're getting there. 
anxiety. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. Why? Because scripture says, here's the truth, for he cares for you. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. So when it comes to anxiety, what is anxiety? So here comes the enemy and says, worst case scenario, that might happen today. Maybe tomorrow as well. So he constantly puts in your mind worst case scenarios that you start to believe like, oh my gosh, that's gonna happen. And you begin to live your life as if you're in a worst case scenario situation. Who watched that um, Netflix TV series? <laughs> um, 24, Jack Bauer. Who knows that? He's like an anti-terrorism guy. And every day was for him a worst case scenario day because that one guy have, every day have to save the world. Like ridiculous. <laughs> worst case scenario. So, so constantly you live in that fear that the worst will happen. Because it's 2022 now, the end, and they're going to say next year the stocks, everything is going to fall. There's going to be a new financial system in the world, end times, what am I going to do, children, blah, blah, blah. Worst case scenario. So you go dig yourself in on a farm with a weapon and everything, and you wait for the bad guys. And that's what people do. Um, I had a... Um, I, um, I did a photography, photography shoot uh, the other day for family, and, uh, and they also had a newborn, a newborn, and I understand, in, in essence, what they said, but everything that came from the, the mouths of, of, of the, the mom and dad was, but, but what if, what if this, what if this, what if the, the kid has to, to go for new inoculations, what if this happens, what if it just, and they, they hyped themselves up so much because worst case scenario, this can happen with my child. So I said to them, listen, um, we need to calm down because I, I need to take nice pictures of you, not stressed out pictures. Nice, is there a baby? <laughs> and when I said to them, you know what? I believe that the Lord, Jesus, he gave you two to this child because he trusts you to raise her in a way so that whatever happens in the world, she'll be sorted. So he trusts you guys, so it'll be fine. It'll be fine. The Lord will look after them. Um, number six, mental torment. I'm nearly done. Mental torment, number six. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 5 to 9. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. That's something Paul speaking. 
For though I might desire to boast, so talk very well of myself, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I will refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Verse 7, and lest I should be exalted above the measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to, I don't know, you could say that word, a buffet, buffet, English people, buffet, okay, I'm just thinking of buffet, sorry, it's a messenger of Satan to buffet me, <laughs> lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So Paul wrote about a mental torment that he, he suffered from. Do we read, because I know everyone here in our church, I love our church, everyone knows everything about the Bible. I know, that's why I love this church. So anywhere in the Bible, do we find that Paul had an exorcism done on him, a demon driven out of him? Because Scripture says he was mentally tormented. He asked the Lord, Lord, please take it away. Three times he asked the Lord, please. Did he go for an exorcism? No, nothing. Because why? Mental torment is treated according to scripture by the grace of God. How are believers set free from mental torment? Know the truth, surrender to God, repent, Ask for forgiveness of your sins. So the, the solution to that mental torment and affliction, I'm just gonna read verse eight and nine again. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that, that it might depart from me. So now that thing can be, it, it can be something else for, for it can be something different, um, for everybody, but it can be things like um, say in your mind you've got many th 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 thoughts of, of violence. You're just angry the whole time. You just, just like there's constantly thinking in your mind like <clears throat> highly sexual thoughts. Men and women struggle with this thing more now than before, constantly. 
constantly, those thinking, sexual um, things in your head, constantly. Things like fear, constantly. You fear about this, fear about that, all the time. So mental torment, so it's the thoughts that the enemy put there. It's not your own, it's not God, it's the enemy puts you there, he torments you. And the Lord said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for us. Mental torment is a big thing because why? When, when, when the enemy puts those things in your mind, he tries to confuse you. Because now say for instance, let's, let's use a one that works for everybody, for many. Um, highly sexual thoughts in your mind. Now you sit with that and like, you go about your day but it's there. Like you drink your coffee, it's there. You do the, it's just there nonstop and you begin to feel confused and if, if I'm thinking this all the time then God, like, you, you feel more distracted from him, more away from him, more this, more that, constantly and the enemy wants to keep you there. So he's tormenting you with deception, with lies, which is not of you. But when you recognize it, you can counter it. It can only be overcome by God's grace. So if you find yourself, just a tip, and then I'm gonna go to my last point. The tip is, if you find your mind is all over the place all the time, and you don't have peace in your mind, realize that it can be a, a, a sign that the enemy is, is working with you. Okay, because when you have the mind of God, the mind of Jesus, your mind will be at peace. Okay, the last one is also a good one. Number seven is indoctrination. Indoctrination. Um, Galatians 3 verse 1 says the following. That's also Paul talking to, to the, the church there in Galatia. Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Like who has told you lies? Who has not been truthful to you? Uh, where am I? Who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as, uh, among you as crucified? So the deception that was there was they started to believe another good news, but not the true good news of Jesus Christ. And then the next verse, 1 Timothy 4, verse 1 to 2, says the following. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with hot iron, indoctrination. Uh, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So what is indoctrination? They believe in doctrines that they are taught that is not according to scripture, that is not according to the truth. And because you believe in those things, you see it as truth, all these other things in scripture will start to, so the enemy uses scriptures as well, it will, will start to, to 
confuse you. It will start to torment you because you believe in non-truths. You believe in a lie, a false doctrine. Um, so believers become obsessed with these things. Like for instance, how many church splits have you been a part of where, where um, this church says, no, we have to stand and sing, and, and this one says, no, we have to sit and sing. Okay, come, let's split. Let's begin our own church. Because you sit and sing and we stand and sing. How many church splits and, um, of, because of wrong doctrines was baptism of children or adults? So let's split up. So the enemy uses those things and those doctrines to bring division as well and deception as well in the church. And it affects us. Um, when it comes to anything spiritual in Jesus, it's very simple. When it comes to anything religious, rules and regulations, sit and bed, stand and bed, vayaflach, vayaniaflach, willi like stuff that doesn't matter, it makes things complicated and it brings a division in church. That's how the enemy deceives believers. Um, just one last thing from myself that I want to share about doctrines. There's actually two things. Um, we, we see that a lot now in South Africa. I'm not sure if it's here in, in, um, in Namibia as well, but the whole new sex ed thing, I'm not sure if it's in Namibia as well, but in South Africa they teach kids about what to do, what not to do. Your own choice. Everything that goes. So is, is that indoctrination or is it education? What's the result? What's the, 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 the fruits of that? And what we will, I'm not sure if it's here in Namibia, but what will we do to keep that away from our children here in Namibia? Indoctrination or is it education? For me, I think it's more indoctrination. Um, and one last thing about this, about believing a wrong doctrine. Long ago, um, I, I believed also, when, when we, we read that scripture about Nepal that has that had something in his flesh and it said something, it will keep him humble and da 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 da. Um, what I did, because I didn't know Jesus intimately, I knew about him. I went to church, so I knew about him. Um, I believe that God gave me a starter to keep me humble. What? And I, I believed that and I lived that and I owned that. I owned it in such a humble way that I actually became proud. Because that's fake, that's fake humbleness, so you became pride. Flip pride. But it's a false doctrine. God does not give sickness to make you humble, to teach you a lesson. That's not the God that I serve. False doctrines. Okay. Um, all happy is Larry. That's point seven. 
Can we put up that slide with us, the seven things quickly? And then I'm gonna go to watch the solution and then we are good. So, number one was accusation. The enemy tries to accuse you all the time. Number two was temptation. Number three, distraction. He likes to distract us. Distract us. Number four, de de depression and other mental illnesses that comes from believing a lie that he puts in our minds. Five is anxiety, fears, intimidation. Six is mental torment. And number seven is believing in false doctrines, which is indoctrination. So now, how do, we, how, how do we counter those attacks? So we know that it's attacks. How do we counter those attacks? Number one is you can only truly counter, you can only truly counter those attacks when you are a born again believer because then you have the tools in the Bible and you have the Lord that is backing you up and, and he protects you, he cares for you because you, you're his child. It's hard to do, extremely hard to do, it's impossible to do when you're not a child of God. That's very important to know. 2 Corinthians 10 verse five says the following. that um, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So in, in, in essence, one big thing is, is to bring every thought that you have, if, if it's a thought you feel accused, you feel depressed, you feel anxiety, you feel one of those, you take that thought, take the word, take that thought, what does the word say about that thought? But you're alone. He's alien man. Scripture says, the truth says, Jesus, which is the truth, says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you, I will send you a helper, that's what scripture says. The enemy says, That's not what the Lord says. Take every thought and put it under the authority of Christ, of his word. Um, so, that's the one, and, and, and the next thing is you can only do that, and I'm talking seriously now with believers, when you know scriptures. It's not enough for you to come and sit on a, a, a Sunday and receive the word and there's no lack of yes and we talk about it in the week with someone sometime but then it stays there. You have to do your own homework and study the word of God. What does the Lord talk to me about in that situation I struggle with? Next time you, str you struggle with thought, um, um, you can look it up on the internet, um, Google Bible verses about Fear. Done. Thank you, Google. And then go look it up. And what does the Lord say about it? What does Scripture say about it? So, 
know your word. And once you identified what scripture says, so remember sometimes we, we hear something, okay, you're alone. And okay, I take it on and I believe that. And now I become depressed. Now scripture says you, you, you're not alone. So now I take that truth the same I did with the lie, I must do the same with the truth, and I take that on, and now I choose to believe that truth, and then that truth will become my reality. It's as simple as that. Make sense? So, once the, the lie is identified, choose to believe the truth, um, because you have the ability to choose what you believe. And once you choose to believe the truth, Freedom follows and the enemy's attack is defeated. Amen. In closing, and you guys can, can put the, the last one on the slide on. There's a story of the, the Peter in the, the, the Garden of Gethsemane where he, he wanted to fight the enemy, the, the soldiers with his sword, but Jesus for, for, forbade him to use his sword, and that rendered um, it, it, it rendered Peter defenseless against the attacks. Where, where if he was praying all the time with the Lord, with Jesus before the, the crucifixion, he would have prepared to fight the spiritual the battle that was about to come. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. We are all taught to, or not all of us, but we grew up in a, in a, a culture that says, no, no, you have to fend for yourself. If you're not gonna make it happen, nothing will happen. And although there's some truth of it in it there, there's, it's, it's not a full truth, so it's not 100% truth. We have to learn to submit ourselves. We have to unlearn that thinking and says, okay, the only way I will make it is not by my own strength, but by the strength of the Lord working within me and through me, by his truths working in me and through me. And if we can just all have our eyes closed. So I, I spoke a lot today, lots of the big things that I spoke about today. And if you are my year today and, and you feel in your heart that you, you sit with so many of these things with fear, anxiety, depression, um, accusation, with some of it or with all, all of it, and you know that you know in your heart that you have not make your, um, your relationship right with the Lord yet. I'm gonna, I'm gonna urge you today to take that step and recognize today 
where you are at, recognize today who Jesus is, that he is there to set you free and make that decision to become a child of God. It's not a complicated thing. It's not a big thing to do, blah, blah, blah. It has to do with your eternal life this morning. Stop resisting the call of God that he he wants the, the, the best for you. He wants you to be set free. He's calling you back home this morning. So if you are here this morning and you have not made right with him yet, you haven't accepted him to be your personal savior, now is the time. Now is the time. It says in, in Romans 10, it says, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. So it's a decision that you have to make in your heart this morning that I truly believe in my heart, not in my mind, in my heart, that Jesus is Lord, that he died for my sins, he rose again from the dead, he overcame the power of sin and death in my life. And I want to accept him as my Lord and my Savior. If there's anyone like this this morning, I want you just to quickly raise your hand and they'll come and... And, and speak with you afterwards. If there's anyone like here, like this this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And if also, if there's anyone of us here today, this morning, of, um, that are believing Christians, and if there's anything of these points that relates to you this morning, I want you to come and stand in front as well and our team will pray with you so that you are are set free from that bondage, from that mindset. You have a choice this morning to either keep on accepting those lies and truths and live according to that or choose what Scripture says, what Jesus says about you, what the Father says about you and believe that truth and live in freedom because of that. How are believers set free? You know the truth, you surrender to God, you repent of your sins and you ask for forgiveness. And if there's anyone here that wants to come this morning for prayer, I invite you to, to come to the front now. Thank you, Jesus. If no one wants to come, I'm just going to enforce in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for this amazing day, Lord God. We thank you, Lord, for your truth, Lord God. We thank you that Scripture says that your truth will set us free. We thank you, Lord God, that we can, we can 
follow you, that we can live according to your ways, Lord God, and according to your will, and that you will always bring light to our walk, bring light to your lamp to our feet, Lord God, that that we constantly walk in your light, that we constantly walk in your truth. We thank you, Lord, that you quench the arrows of the enemy. We thank you, Lord God, that you are the one that silenced the accuser. That you you are the one, Lord God, that makes us strong through our faith in you to come against any temptation. That you are the one, Lord God, that removes distractions from us and bring us truth and something to hold on, that you are the one that removes depression and other mental illnesses from us and bring light to our minds, bring life to our minds, bring truth to our minds, Lord God, that you are the one, Lord, that through our faith in you, through hope in you, you remove anxiety, you remove fear, Lord Jesus. And we we thank you, Lord, that it says in your word, that your grace is sufficient for us. Your grace is sufficient for us. And I I pray, Lord, that as we start our week, that your grace and mercy will follow us where we go, and that your hand of protection will be over everyone here this morning. We thank you for that, Lord God, and we, we, we thank you for the amazing love you have for us in our church. We love you, Jesus. Amen. 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 If there's anyone that still wants to come for prayer, you can come. I